Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. All right. Hey, everybody. What's up? And welcome back. Welcome back to, to Creeps, Creeps and Crimes podcast <laughs> with Taylor Morgan. So we are so happy to guys, have you guys back. Um, again, my name is Taylor. And I'm Morgan. And uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Creeps and Crimes podcast, where we post what we'd like to think is daily, but before each episode, we do something really cool. Sometimes we give hints, other times yes. we do live streams. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we won't do a live stream again. If you were on the launch party um, Instagram feed, then you were having a great time with us because that was awesome. So thanks so much to everybody that came to our COVID safe Launch party. Launch party. It was so much fun. People, so. We had Deja Vodkas. Oh, yes. Those were so good. And we made uh, signature cocktails. So it was Murder Mosas and Deja Vodkas, which the Deja Vodkas were sick. Yeah, they, they had were. Uh, glitter in them, dry ice. It, it was super cool looking. And then the other ones had <laughs> blood dripping down them like a murder. Yeah, she calls me right before the launch party. She's like, I need you to pick up a cake. I need you to pick up dry ice. I'm like, yep, got it. Two easy things. I she run, didn't even question I can run right into Publix. I call Publix. They're like, yeah, we can have it ready in an hour. I'm like, cool. She's like, creeps and crimes? I'm like, yeah. She's like, spell it for me one more time. I spell it for I go to pick up the cake. It says creep and crimef. Creep. Creep crime if or something like that. Had an creep F and crime. Oh, creep if. That's what it was. Had an F after creep. So I failed my one duty, but I did manage to get the dry ice. The, which the made cake the was actually really cool. The yeah, cake it was, was actually cool. really cool. Yeah, it was cool. She, she did, did a great job. job. Yeah, she did. <laughs> she really did. She made the crimes a little. Y'all, jailbird. we were so blessed, but shocked about the response to episode one. I mean, are you guys insane? <laughs> thank you guys so so much. Especially to all of our friends that have left us reviews and given us uh, good, like, constructive criticism. We've really yeah. appreciated it. Also, and the people that have reposted us on Instagram, like, you guys are amazing. Thank you guys so much for promoting us. It means the world to us. We, our original goal was 100 ep- and, downloads. And we got over 200, 200 downloads, guys. 200 downloads. That's insane. For our first episode. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank we you all so much. We were expecting my mom, Taylor's mom, to listen <laughs> to it. Our close friends, some siblings. Right. Our and friends that we forced we to. We got blown out of the water. I so. mean, it was crazy. We had people calling us from, I mean, all stages of my life. I don't know about yeah. you. Like, I had people in, from elementary school that I haven't talked to in years even contact me about it. And I'm just so 
thankful for it. Thanks so much for all the love and the support. Lake Stevens, Washington. Yeah, who's, <laughs> what's going on in Lake Stevens, Washington? Y'all, this is the highest download that we have, like, in the city. Yeah, it's got, like, what, 20-something downloads? It is, like, 17% of yeah. the downloads. So 17% whatever that of is. the downloads. So, who's over there? What y'all got? <laughs> what y'all I don't got? know over there, but we like y'all. Yeah, we'll thanks visit. so much. Yeah, send us a DM. Let us know who you are. We might send you some merch. Yeah, so. Oh, we're working on some merch right now, so. Oh, it's going to be cool. It's going to be Wait really till it cool. drops. So another new thing that we're going to start. Do you want to tell them about the Yeah, creepy so accounts? we're going to start doing creepy accounts. Um, you guys are going to be able to email us at creepsandcrimespodcast at gmail.com. And you can submit your own stories. Any, you know, creepy, paranormal, anything. anything. Like if you got abducted by aliens or your or dad you think or your you grandpa did. did. Like we want to hear it if... Someone that you knew was murdered or something crazy, like a babysitter. I hear babysitter stories Don't all even the time. Don't even tell me that. Right. And, <laughs> <laughs> like, that type of stuff. Like, I mean, anything. Even if there's a ghost in your house, like, we want to hear about it. You can email um, the story. But if you don't care to make the subject, creepy accounts. Um, so that way we can organize them. Are we going to drop our first one Halloween? Halloween, episode? yeah. So October 31st, we're going to drop our very first uh, creepy account so, with y'all's stories. So if you don't care to have them to us, at least uh, get them submitted then. so you can be featured. Please send in some stuff. It's to creepsandcrimespodcast at gmail.com. You can find the email on our Instagram, again, at creepsandcrimespodcast. All right, Morgan, so what are you covering today? I think that my topic is in need of a drum roll. (laughs) Area 51, extraterrestrial, aliens, UFO crashes, everything. Area 51. So sorry to disappoint those who thought I was talking about the Kardashians today. It'll be in the near future. Promise. So what do you know about Area 51 besides the raid Area 51? Was that last fall? Yeah. um, There's crazy videos, funny posters. Yeah, I remember it. um, But basically the only thing I really know about Area 51 is that that's where they believe all testing with extra terrestrial life is and then also like all the crazy stuff that happens around area 51 and Mm -hmm. the surrounding cities just because my dad loves ancient aliens my dad too (laughs) it's a dad thing i guess dad shout out to you for forcing me to watch (laughs) but um i told him this was my topic oh yeah i'm gonna love that (laughs) okay bucky this one's for you this one's for you dad (laughs) area 51 is a united states air force facility Located in Nevada. Nevada. Okay. Nevada, Nevada. Nevada. Tomato, tomato. Tomato. Potato, potato. Potato, tomato. So it is a desert base. I mean, it's in the middle of the desert, and it's completely off limits to civilians. That area covers more, almost 3 million acres of so land. So don't they say it's like bomb testing grounds? They do. Yeah. Okay. I'll get into like what. Okay. I like try, I'm going to try to like debunk them as I go, but like also I'm going to question and debunk because I don't believe any of it. Okay. But just so you guys know. All right. She doesn't believe shit. So it is said to be the home of nuclear weapons testing from 1950 to 1990. Okay. So this is built during the Cold War in 1955 as a U.S. development facility for aircraft. Its existence was denied by the government until seven years ago. Hold on, hold on, hold on. 
They just now claimed it seven years ago? Yeah. August 2013. So I'm going to talk about the earliest and most famous claim, and that's the Roswell, New Mexico crash. You've heard about it? I know we had one follower comment and say their favorite conspiracy was the Roswell oh, crash. Oh, it was um, Abel. Abel Mullins. Yeah, Abel Mullins. Cool. Well, Abel, I'm here Abel, to... Abel, this one is for you. ...give you something to listen to. So this happened in the summer of 1947, which is three years prior to the development of Area 51. Okay, got it. So this was in late June, early July, 1947. Um, This man's name was Mac Brazel. Again, sorry if I'm butchering your names, guys. (laughs) Um, He found wreckage on his property in Lincoln County, New Mexico, which is about roughly 70 miles from Roswell, New Mexico. Okay. So this wreckage contained like metallic metallic fragments okay. and stuff that probably wasn't common in 1947. Mac Brazel Brazel submits his findings to the Roswell Police Department. Mm-hmm. They alert the United States Army Air Force and the United States Army Air Force immediately sends out a press release. And they say that they recovered a flying disc from a ranch near Roswell. So that's the very first press release that we have. Okay. So the following day, Roswell Daily Record ran a segment about the crash. And they, you know, I mean, they're writing their segment based off of what the United States Air Force has sent out. So there's a saying the same thing. Recovered flying disc, uh, unidentified object from a ranch near Roswell. So United States Army then reverses the claim stating that the debris is actually a weather balloon. Nice try, though. You nice guys try. thought. You almost got us. You guys thought that We're we would smart. believe you, but nobody did. Nope. Because witnesses reported seeing alien-like bodies being pulled from the site, being taken from the site. By the army? By whoever recovered, yeah. Oh, my Whoever God. recovered the remains. Alien-like bodies. So I'm assuming, my understanding of what aliens probably look like, are like little kid-like feature, like kid-like humanoids. What color do you think they are? Gray. Oh, is this me and you that's have this conversation mm-hmm. about whether they're green or gray? Yeah, I think they're gray. Okay. Okay, yeah. I think so, they're gray, too. So, but just because she's taught me so much about aliens. What does the United States do about the witnesses saying that they saw the aliens being pulled? Kill them. Nope, they oh. explain that these are fallen parachute test dummies. Why would you have test dummies in a weather balloon? <laughs> that looked like aliens? That looks like children. Why would you make <laughs> children-sized test dummies? That is the most effed up thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so then, in 1994, they then correct the story again and say that, all right, you guys caught us. The weather balloon was, in fact, bogus. Like, that is not what happened. Yeah, dude, we already knew that. We already knew that. But now they say, we couldn't tell you because it was classified, but the wreckage came from a spy device to monitor the Soviets' attempts to testing their own atomic bomb. So, since the spy work was classified, the false explanation of the weather balloon was needed as a diversion to not make a national security matter public. Well, you already made it public by being dirty liars. (laughs) I know. First off... (laughs) First off, we all know about it now. First off, it was a disliked shape, metallic shape that crashed into the middle of a ranch in New Mexico. And you're just going (laughs) to pop in and be like, nope. Oh, actually, first, you're going to pop in and say, 
yeah, you guys caught us. We recovered a flying disc. And then you're going to pop in and be like, mm -hmm, nah, it's a weather balloon. balloon. Then you're going to pop in and say, nope, spy device, 50 years later. Because so many later. people, I mean, it's 2020, and so many people are still talking about the Roswell crash. More. So then more theories start coming out. I don't know if these were leaked by the government. I have no idea. But now they're trying to say the Soviets disguised this whole entire thing that looked like an unidentified flying object, had childlike test-sized dummies because they are trying to cause mass panic in America. Got it. So there's just like theory after theory after theory. No one ever backs up their own trail. Right. What do you think? What do you take out of it? Oh, this is definitely a cover-up through Area 51. I think so, too. Oh, 100%. I am convinced of it. And so I, like, started doing a little bit more research, and I started looking at, like, abduction theory or abduction stories. <gasps> and around that area. And well, a lot of abductions are cited and reported around, like, Western United States. Yeah, it's only in the Western. Well, there's very few, at least, that I not as publicized as the mm -hmm. one out West, but when you hear about like an alien abduction, it's mainly coming from California, Colorado, Nevada, um, New Arizona. Mexico, Arizona, yeah. sometimes Indiana cornfields. Yeah, dude, cornfields. Cornfields, are <laughs> that's, that's a, not a good How place to be. If you're ever in the Indiana cornfield, just run for your life. So now I'm going to talk about Bob Lazar. I know he's very well known. Well, he claims that he is a physicist and he graduated from MIT. And he also states that he received a master's in electronic technology from Caltech, which is California Institute of Technology. Yeah. He was hired to work at a facility located near Area 51. It was like as like a branch facility at Area 51. And that was referred to as S4. S S4. S-4. Okay. So he said that this facility was built into the mountainside. And... I, I kid you I not, last year when I was driving through the Rocky Mountains, I was like, these mountains are so huge. I was like, what if they were all hollowed out and there's stuff stored in them? No, they're 100% as... There's, they're so There's big. one in Wa Washington. Is it Lake Stevens? <laughs> is it Lake Stevens? Okay, anyways, there's one in Washington that is one of the seven chakras of Earth. Have you ever heard about that theory? Mm -hmm. Another day, another day. But just keep that in mind. His job was to re-engineer... Nine unidentified flying objects. Okay. One of the UFOs is described as a metallic substance, which okay. we can go back to Roswell. That's what the rancher found. The metallic all these substance. metallic substances. Right. Even though this is probably years later, I'm assuming. Um, so this UFO was built from an antimatter or had an antimatter reactor that would cause the propulsion. Got it. That would allow it to, I guess, defy. Gravity. Yeah. I think. Like, jolt it up. Uh-huh. I'm not a physicist, guys. I don't, I don't know, honestly. <laughs> um, so the UFO that he was studying, so he was looked in, asked to look into nine different UFOs, but he really focused on one. Okay. Um, this UFO was fueled by an element that was not natural on Earth. Well, then what was it? So they referred to it as element 115. Okay. So. That does nothing for me. <laughs> I, I know. So the element had to be synthesized. Okay man-made the ufo could also bend light so that it wasn't visible to the human eyes oh so a lot of people think that you know they just like click a button and they go like, invisible invisibility what but they're actually bending light so it's deflecting what you think what you would be seeing if okay. it wasn't there i'm so 
shocked right now. So the craft emitted a force field as well. And it had two main levels. So one of the levels had like the reactor, some type of anti-gravity. And the other level had, I want to say two or three seats. I've seen, so I've seen like pictures of them or like recreated drawings, not pictures. Some have three seats, some have two. So I'm going to, I'm going to just go with three because I like trios. They were all childlike seats and everything, there was no sharp edges in the craft. So it's all like curved? It's all like molted, like melted. Oh, oh, oh. So it's all very smooth. The, it's not like a chair, like how we could just pick up a chair and put it down. It's built in and they're, they're childlike seats. They're very small. Okay. Tiny seats. Okay. And I'm pretty sure that he had gotten hired, I think. I didn't read this anywhere, but I remember it on the Netflix documentary, which is called Bob Lazar Area 51 and Flying Saucers. Go check it out if you haven't. Um, But I read that, like, his job opened up because the person prior to him working on the UFO had died from the... Element? The, uh, like, reactor. Something blew up or the force (gasps) field or something. Oh, my God. So, yeah. I don't know. Oh, my God. I would not take that job. Oh, yeah, the dude before me died. Yeah, okay, let me take that down. So Absolutely not. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't either. So he also um, records, like, walking past, almost like a little, like, looking to his right down a hallway, and it was, like, this big, like, clear window, and, like, you could see, like, people in lab coats working on what he thought was aliens. Right. Like, these little, I guess they referred to them in the workplace as the kids. The kids? Yeah. That is messed up within itself. Yeah, so they refer to them as the kids. And these, this is quickly turning into a true crime case. <laughs> these men were, I don't know what they were doing on them, but he remembers seeing them. He remembers thinking, like, holy crap, I just think I saw aliens. For yeah, the first aliens, time. or they're working on children. Okay, so Bob Lazar goes public with this information. Okay. And then all of a sudden, He's discredited. His name is discredited. This is Andrew Bosiago. He never graduated from MIT. Are you kidding? He never went to Caltech. What? Um, He had no proof of either degrees. They erased his life. They erased who Bob Lazar was prior to working for them. So then it just made everybody think that Bob Lazar is just this crazy conspiracist. But how would he know so much information? How does somebody come up with details like that they don't he's real he's he worked there yeah he worked there so then after he gets discredited and then you know just called this crazy conspiracy the fbi raids his workplace do you know why they raid it why because they claim he stole an element called element 115 from a government lab so if he didn't work at this government lab (sighs) then how did he get access to an element that wasn't on the periodic table. So check out the Netflix documentary. It's pretty crazy. So now I'm going to talk about this little abduction story. Oh, shit. It's about Betty and Barney Hill. You heard it? I think I know this one. So I picked this one because remember we said earlier that your common abduction stories come from the West Coast. Or not the coast, but... Western, West, yeah, Western yeah. States. Pennsylvania. Said when Western United States. <laughs> but this story actually happened in New York. So, Betty and Barney Hill. And I think I know this one. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, keep going. In I'm, September I'm of 1961. Okay. They decided 
you know, we haven't got to do our honeymoon yet. Let's go on a trip. So Betty's like, yeah, Barney, sure, let's do it. Where are we going to go? Yeah, Barney, I'm ready. So they decide, you know what, We're, let's go to Niagara Falls. Oh. So they have their little vacation in Niagara Falls and to like maybe Montreal too or something. Yeah. So they're driving back through these mountains and this is all, their return home. Okay. When Betty spots this bright light in the sky. Oh my God, don't ever look at the bright light. So, again, I mean, if, I'm sure you guys have driven through mountains. It's a very curvy, windy road. Right. And You're scared to death half the time to they, look up She's road. like, Barney, do you see that? He's like, yeah. He's, they said he had an IQ of, like, 140. So he's very smart, very right. intellectual. He was like, it's probably just a satellite misestrayed. Nothing to worry straight about. Straight in the sky. Nothing to worry about, Betty. Just a yeah. little Betty, just chill out. It's fine. So... This light starts moving closer to them and closer to them. Hell no. And it's following them in the curves of the mountain. I'm driving a thousand miles an hour. And it's hovering over their vehicle. Absolutely not. <laughs> so Betty says, that's a UFO. Yeah, absolutely, Betty. Barney says. No, Barney. Well, sweetheart, let me exit the car and check it out. And he sees these figures and he... Goes panic mode. Right. Screaming, running back to the car, gets in the car, speeds away. Okay. So he thought. Thinking that they got home, that they were okay. I do know this story. Um, yeah. Then they're like, you know, they're they're in a really altered state. Right. And time has passed. Oh my God. So it's a four hour trip home. Took him seven hours to get home. <sighs> Betty's dress, distressed, ripped. What? Scuffs on the shoes. Betty had a very, like, white, powdery, powdery substance on her dress. They were abducted. <gasps> oh, And I'm pretty sure... Okay, so I think, I'm, I, think I need to back up here. Okay. So they are driving, and they're speeding off, and then they lose control of the car, and then within an instant, they both lost consciousness. And then when they came to... They were 30 miles ahead of where where they last remember driving Oh, from. my God. So. Yeah. So, I don't know if, like, they were abducted and then placed back or, like, if they had taken the car with. I have no idea. So, Sorry. they get home. Super altered state. Loss of time. I mean, can you imagine losing time? No, absolutely not. If I, like, take, like, a fat nap, I'm like, what time is it? Right. I jump up. I'm like, I'm late <laughs> doing something, you know? Like, right. that's scary. Like, just. Yeah. Going into a really deep Seven sleep. Hours. So imagine not knowing that you fell asleep and losing time. Like, that's insane. That's insane. So the next couple days, Betty starts to have dreams. Okay. Very vivid dreams about a UFO encounter. So she remembers it little by little. In her dreams. Okay. So what she remembers in her dreams is that this needle was thrusted into her belly and they were like, I guess maybe shaving off skin samples. And that's kind of all that Betty could remember in her dreams. Okay. But then her husband Barney started experiencing severe anxiety. So they decided to go get some mental help. Okay. They go to see a psychiatrist and a neurologist. Mm -hmm. And at the time in 1961, hypnosis was a very. Yeah, they did that in everything. Mm -hmm. It was like a very well known treatment. To yeah. To restore memory, lost right. memories. So they start doing these hypnosis treatments and they're, they're separated and their stories are aligning. And Betty's talking about um, 
this star map that these aliens had shown her. She remembers sitting there with what they, what her and Barney both referred to as the leader. That little, like maybe, I don't want to say minions, but I don't know why I could picture minions, but like little, <laughs> little aliens came running into the leader, like geeking out that Barney's teeth could be removed. And Betty, dentures? and Betty remembers telling them, oh, those are dentures. That's what happens when you age. And they couldn't, they were blown away. They couldn't understand like that his teeth fall out. He has fake teeth. Which I guess I'd be screwed, or I'd be the laughing stock. Oh got my god! Wait, my so hands, they're like, they're just like geeked out at yeah about and the she remembers this, and their stories are aligning. Their stories are aligning. They're both in hypnosis. Betty remembers them um, doing a pregnancy test on her. Oh. Um, all sorts of stuff. Mm-mm. So nobody has any reason to believe that this couple's lying. They're right. the average American couple, right? Held high in their communities. Like, uh, pillars of the community. Yeah, dude. It was insane. And Betty, the star map that I was referring to, what she drew, she was able to um, not just recollect like that they showed her this map. She was able to draw it. Oh, my God. Really? I don't know what the star map shows. I don't know what. But that is classified. the story of Betty and Barney Hill. Ooh, oh, I just Folks, if you're ever driving through the mountains and you see a bright light, do not stop. Do not and stop. get out just your binoculars. Going. Good God. Keep going. Even keep though they're probably going to catch you. They're like yeah, supersonic you. speed. You're for sweet. sure. You're done for. So, I mean, I don't want to like give all my abduction stories away today because my segment's been, you know, pretty time consuming. So... I'm going to kick it over to you. So the story I have for you guys today is probably one that has impacted me the most in my lifetime. All right. So my hint was um, the song Hungry Like the Wolf by... Is this why you're Team Edward? <laughs> no. Um... Or you mean Team Jacob? <laughs> no, no. What are you? So I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm Team Jacob. Anyways. Oh my um this story i first heard when i was seven years old on the 2020 episode that you can oh yes watch on yeah you can watch on hulu or on demand and in 2019 they actually did a new version of it so you can watch a newer version of it now um that has a lot more updates which i learned so many updates in the past few days of relearning the story Mm -hmm. and it's gonna blow your mind so um, today is, I'm going to be telling you the story of Diane Downs. Have you ever heard of her? No. So in Springfield, Oregon on May 19th, 1983, Diane Downs pulls up to the emergency room with a bullet wound in her left arm and three children shot in the backseat of her car covered in blood. Okay. <laughs> so right into it, guys. Diane pulls into the hospital, three yep. kids. Yep. So, the children's names are Cheryl, Danny, and Christy. So, Cheryl, um, age seven, she was pronounced dead at the scene. Danny, age three, was rushed to ICU. Um, And Christy, age eight, was also rushed to the ICU. They were barely alive. So, Diane was treated for her bullet wound, but was okay enough to be able, because it wasn't severe or anything, um, but she was able to be interviewed by detectives immediately about what had happened. Mm -hmm. She told police that she was driving her kids home from a friend's house around 10 p.m. when she decided to take a scenic route for the kids um, when they fell asleep. 
she was listening to Hunger Like the Wolf by Duran Duran, and um, all of a sudden, a shaggy-haired man waved her down. She stopped the car and asked what he wanted, and he responded by saying he wants her car. And she says, you've got to be kidding me. Okay. If you have three children sleeping <laughs> in your car, you don't pull over. Right. Do not pull over, ladies. Um, so Especially being a female by yourself. Exactly. Don't do that. She says, you've got to be kidding me, which is when he pushed her aside, shot each of her children before turning the gun on her and shot her in the left arm. She then pretends to throw her keys into the bushes, distracting him, and jumps into the car and sped off, which she later said she was driving like a straight lunatic to the hospital. While telling people, I'm sorry, while telling the police what happened she was calm cool and collected very monotone voice which obviously threw police off but also this woman is like a very normal looking woman like she was Mm -hmm. beautiful she's not like a freak or anything but she's like not losing her mind but you know people handle trauma in different ways right and it's never the same we know that exactly so, considering what we know um, now, this is, becomes pretty suspicious, her um, activity, because she was just told that her seven-year-old Cheryl was pronounced dead on the scene. Her three-year-old Danny is now paralyzed from the waist down, and eight-year-old Christine suffered a massive stroke because of trauma and was in a coma. Okay. Yeah, so these are her babies. Yeah. So, obviously, okay. Oregon, the state of Oregon, is going crazy with manhunts trying to find this shaggy-haired killer. So, even knowing that, even knowing this, she's acting super bubbly and just, like, floating through the situation. The surgeon says it was almost surreal because he goes to find Diane to pay his respects after officially declaring seven-year-old Cheryl dead. And the first thing she said to him after receiving the news was, Wow, that really ruined my new car. Yeah. That's what she said. That's what she said back. So at the scene of the crime, police find some casings, some bullet casings. However, they could not locate the gun that was used for the murder. So basically, the cops are just at a standstill. Because what could be this dude's, like, MO? What traits did he have? What can help us locate him and separate him away from other people? But she couldn't give any detail, which in my head, if something is happening to my children, I'm taking in the like, okay, he's got a mark under his left eye. He's got a tattoo, you know, whatever it is. He was wearing black shoes, but you know, but she couldn't come up with any, um, like anything to help them. So, um, the police decided they want to do a reenactment of the crime with, of the crime scene with Diana to see if it would spark any memories that could help her help them. And you can see this reenactment in the 2020 episode, which I don't know if I said this already, but I watched it on Hulu. So she shows how she threw the keys and showed how she ran back to the car and hopped in the driver's seat. But while doing so in the reenactment, she hit her cast from her injury on the door and she screams, ow, I hit my cast and then starts dying laughing. So everybody is like stopped and just looking at her in horror because it's like your daughter was just pronounced dead. Your son is paralyzed and your other daughter had a massive stroke and is in a coma. Right. And you're laughing. The loves of your life. Exactly. Like literally a piece of your flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. 
So everyone's, like I said, just in shock. She continues joking around throughout the rest of the entire reenactment. And at the end, she made the comment, this was worse then, and then goes, oh, never mind. So cops were like, um, um, she was about to say when she shot herself in the arm. Yeah. So she's Sucks. telling <laughs> she's telling this story to everybody. News channels, search groups, like everybody, neighbors. And then people begin to question her story because they realize there's some inconsistencies, which she begins to realize that people are turning against her. So in an interview, she says something along the lines of, if I had killed my own children, wouldn't I have actually killed all of them? Wouldn't I have driven around until they were all dead before I got to the hospital? Hmm. And the anchor or the interviewer is like, um, I, I don't know. Would you kill your kids? Like, you know, I would be like, I don't know. What do you mean? Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So the police began looking at her as a suspect. Thank God. Um, and so they search her home where they find that she was having an affair with a married man named Robert Knickerbocker. And after reading through her journals, she had been very distraught because Robert had told Diane that, that he did not want to be with her because he did not want children. Huh. So then they get her cell phone records and it shows that after the shooting, she had called Robert as she drove her dying children to the hospital and just talked to him like normal. So she's on the phone just like, yo, Robert, what's up? What's yeah, kicking? I guess on her car phone. I mean, it's 1983. Through an interview with him, they find out that she had been stalking him and even offered to kill his wife to make it easier for them to be together. Because he was married. So, while searching um, her home, they found a rifle that matched the casing, that had bullets in them that matched the casings that were found at the at crime scene. her house. Yep. As well as more evidence connecting to the shooting, connecting her to the shooting, such as blood splatter on the outside of the car, considering that they had said, that she had said that they were all shot while sitting inside the car. And police got a few tips from a hotline that was set up that said multiple people passed her that night. And she was driving less than five miles an hour. So people, their speedometers weren't even registering how fast she was going. And that's why she caught so many people's eyes driving that night. So they bring her back in for questioning and said, Diane, honey, we know that you know who did it. And she's like, yeah, I do know who it was. It was two guys, not just <laughs> what, <laughs> not just one that killed my children, but there was a conspiracy and now they know my name. So in general, she just wasn't making any sense. She was saying that there was this conspiracy against her. Like she's having, was she having like a psychotic break? I, I don't know. People cope differently is what I right. keep telling myself. So right. you're right. Um, eventually Christy wakes up from the coma. Okay. And she's in recovery. Good. And she wakes up. She is so scared that she will not talk at all. So she's asked to shake her head if she knows who shot her. And she shook her head yes. So then they had a therapist start working with her. And the therapist had her each day write the name of the person that killed her sister and shot her and her brother on a piece of paper fold it up and then throw it into a fire until she, to let it burn until she is comfortable showing it to the therapist. Mm -hmm. 
So this goes on for multiple days when finally, instead of throwing the paper into the fire, she turns to the therapist and hands it to her. The therapist opens up the paper and it reads, my mom. Hmm. Seven years old. I... Props to that therapist because right. I would have been in that fire pulling out yeah. and interpreting what I cut out of the ashes. Exactly. So multiple days after she, you know, they finally get the papers as my mom, Diane was arrested. Um, nine months after the shooting in February of 1984 and charged with one count of murder, two counts of attempted murder, and two counts of criminal assault. And the trial was set for May. So... Now I want to give you a little background on Diane Downs. Okay. So she was born Elizabeth Diane Fredrickson, uh, and um, she was born on August 7th, 1955 in Phoenix, Arizona, to parents Wesley Linden and Willa Dean Fredrickson. Um, at age 12, she testified that her father was sexually abusive to her, and then she graduated from Moon Valley High School in Phoenix, where she met her husband, Stephen Downs. I'm sorry, Steve Downs. She then went to college at Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College in Orange, California. However, she was expelled from the college after one year for promiscuous behavior. Like what? (laughs) What is is that? Promiscuous behavior. (laughs) Um, So on November 13th, 1973, Diane and Steve got married after running away from home together and in 1974, Christy, Christy Ann was born. Cheryl was born in 1976, and Danny was born in 1979. 1980, the couple was divorced because Steve thought Danny was not his child and was the child of an affair that Diane was having. So at the end of May in 1982, Downs gave birth to a daughter through surrogacy and named the child Jennifer before giving Jennifer to her intended family. So she was a surrogate for somebody. Okay. But for work primarily, Diane worked as a postal worker and assigned and her assigned mail route was or route, route or route, whichever one. I uh, I said route. Okay. In the city of Cottage Grove, Oregon. Okay, so now back to the case. So May rolls around and it's time for her trial. And Diane comes to the trial pregnant. Okay. Like big, big pregnant. It turns out that she liked a guy from her postal route because he had a good bone structure and was intelligent. She showed up to his house with whiskey and marijuana and seduced the guy to have sex with her. Huh? (laughs) She had studied her cycle so well that she knew she would only need one act of intercourse to get Mm -hmm. pregnant. Wow. Okay. Literally insane. So her purpose was one and only purpose, and it was to get pregnant. And the reason why she wanted to be pregnant is because she felt unloved and children made her feel love. So they show a clip on the 2020 episode of author Anne Rule, who wrote a book about Diane. And Anne says she did not have babies so that she could love them. She had babies so that they could love her. 
So she just wanted love. Yeah, basically. So she shows up to this trial. She's nine months pregnant. Prosecutors argue that she attempted to murder all three children so that she could freely be with Robert Knickerbocker. However, they were worried that because she was so pregnant that the jury would not want to lock her up. So it wouldn't be basically a fair trial. Trial. Until they play the song Hungry Like the Wolf, which she had claimed had been playing while she was driving the scenic route, a.k.a. when her children were murdered. And Diane begins dancing in her seat, tapping her foot, and humming the song. Are you kidding me? She's literally singing. Dude, I know of people that get into car accidents and the same song, like they'd hear the same song that was playing when they got into the accident. And it causes panic attacks. Right. Not like traumatic. Traumatic experiences. You're not just You're not chilling dancing. in a courtroom with on trial for murdering your kids, just grooving. Getting your right. On. To Duran no. Duran. So after it was played, all of the evidence was brought out by the prosecution and they brought out their first hand witness. Her daughter. Oh my gosh. How old is she at this point? She's nine years old. So after uh, months and months of physical, mental, and emotional therapy... Now nine-year-old Christy, Diane's daughter, that survived, takes the sand. This was later described as one of the hardest witness statements to watch because she was so little that you could barely see her head over the podium box. She was then asked, do you know who shot your little sister, Cheryl? She quietly responded, yes. They asked her, who? And she responded, my mom. They then said to her, how do you know? And she started bawling hysterically and said, because I watched. I'm going to cry, dude. Yeah, it's really, I mean, the video is terrible to watch. So the prosecutor um, could barely keep it together because it was just so terribly hard to watch. So they then asked her to explain what happened. And she says that they were asleep in the back of the car when mommy stopped on a dirt road, got out, opened the trunk came back to the front um, driver's seat, knelt down in the front seat, shot Cheryl, then Danny, and then me, before shooting herself in the arm. Oh, my God. Diane was diagnosed with narcissistic hysteronic and antisocial personality disorders. Prior to this whole situation um, or during During in this okay. trial. Um, because she does not feel emotion, empathy, or guilt. She is a literal sociopath. Mm-hmm. Um, after a six-week trial on June 17th in 1984, Diane Downs was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison plus 50 years in the Oregon Women's Correctional Center in Salem. Ten days after she was um, her trial ended, she gave birth to her child and an hour after the birth the child was taken by a caseworker and that was the last time diane saw her child and she showed absolutely no emotion and then she was returned to the correctional facility the little girl was placed uh, with a family that is called the babcocks and she was named rebecca oh god so danny and christy um the two surviving children were adopted by the prosecutor, Fred Hughey, and his wife, Joanne, because of how deeply the case affected them. Oh, my God. I know. Oh, my goodness. There's more. Oh, there's more. <laughs> there's more. What do you mean there's more? So then, 
On July 11th, 1987, Diane Downs escapes from prison. Escapes? She escapes? <laughs> yeah, she escapes from prison. From a women's correctional <laughs> facility. She's just hopping over. She... Digging tunnels. <laughs> Wait, how did she escape? Do you please tell me you know She threw her jacket over the barbed wire and climbed a 16-foot fence before jumping down landing hiding under a car and she accidentally left her jacket underneath the car and escaped so immediately the police alert the families that now have custody of her surviving children which is how um rebecca's family's name and rebecca's name got leaked because they had to tell the schools and friends and family to keep rebecca safe and actually, the prosecutor that had adopted Danny and Christy later said that he slept in a rocking chair with a rifle in his hand by the front door until she was found to protect the to protect the children. Just in case. She, That's the kind of man I like. Right. Just in case something yes. happened. So police search her cell once again, where they and they find a clipboard that had a blank notebook on it. They were able to hold it up against the light, and they were able to see indentations that was left from the paper that was on top of the paper that was on the um, clipboard. And it's the indentations of a map. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Not a hand. No, she didn't draw a map. Um, it was a map to show a house that was only a few blocks away from the jail, and it belonged to Wayne Seifer, the husband of a fellow inmate. So she... How are you just going <laughs> to escape out of prison and then leave a map of where you're going? Right. So she apparently oh. shows up at this man's house with no clothes on and just said, can I stay with you? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> so they found her there. So um, police pull up. Diane just like walks out of the bedroom and she's in the man's boxers and his <gasps> undershirt. <laughs> she's crazy. <laughs> she's crazy. And so they just arrest her on the spot. She got an additional five years because of the incident. And she was then moved to New Jersey at the request of the prosecutor, Fred Hughey, and um, to be able to limit the threat of the children. Right. Yeah. So her daughter, Rebecca. Um. Her daughter, Rebecca, had no idea who her mother, her biological mother was for years. But the only thing that she knew um, about her mother is that she was in prison. So at age 11, she tricked her babysitter into revealing her mother's identity by acting like she knew who it was. So she was like, yeah, you know, my mom, you know, she's locked up because of what she did. And then the babysitter's like, oh, my God, you know, your mom's Diane Downs. And she's like, yeah, whatever. So, Rebecca runs to a bookstore. I think they said it was a Barnes & Noble. And she finds Anne Rule's book about Diane Downs. And it has photos from the crime scene. I mean, everything in it. And everything that happened details. Rebecca goes to into a downward spiral because of this. Leaves home. Has a baby at 17 whose name is Chris. She then gets pregnant again before becoming homeless because she left her, I don't know if it was her boyfriend or her husband. So she's at a homeless shelter. She there decides that she's going to put this child up for adoption. She decides that she wants to reach out to her mother, Diane Downs, because she was struggling so hard with the the adoption. And maybe her mom could make her feel like she wasn't alone since her mom gave her up for adoption. So, basically, she writes Diane and immediately gets a response. 
They start off very kind, let her messages back and forth um, between Rebecca and Diane. And Rebecca says it quickly got dark. Diane begins writing her about conspiracy theories that she has, that people have been watching Rebecca her entire life, and that she's in serious danger. She wrote a 12-page rant about how innocent she was, and then accuses Rebecca of being a part of the conspiracies against her, and then begins to threaten Rebecca and her child, Chris. I mean, Diane. Okay, <laughs> Diane First just calmed down. This better never happen to me for just openly talking about conspiracy. Right. I better not feel one day that that is happening, even though she is a psychopath. <laughs> no, Diane Downs is a psychopath. So um, Rebecca decides that she wants to cut all the ties. She's had enough, so she cuts the ties. She then decides to reach out to her half-brother and sister, Danny and Christy. Well, that's probably what I would have done first. Right, before I reached out to Diane Downs, one of the most notorious murders in the 80s. Like, so much so that I know about it. You know what I mean? Like, Right. So, um, Christy wrote back, and um, she wrote back on Facebook and said that she is really sorry, but after having a few conversations... She cannot form a serious relationship with her sister because of how traumatic it was, and she really needed to distance herself. So, understandable. Understandable. Like, 100%. And that's what Rebecca said. Like, I completely understand. Like, I just want you to know I'm here for you, basically. Yeah. So, that's the end of the 2020 episode. What was was their age difference? She was nine years older? Or was she, like... 11. Oh, Chrissy and Like, Danny. by the time Rebecca was born. So, Cheryl, who was pronounced out on the scene, she was seven at the time of the murders. Danny was three. Christy was eight. And then at the trial, um, Christy had just turned nine. nine. And then, so then a year later. So, I guess they were, like, nine years apart. Yeah, nine or ten years. Nine or ten years, yeah. Okay. So, um... That's really it. Rebecca just decides to cut her off. You know, she's understanding about Christy. So that's the end of the 2019 um, Hulu 2020 episode of this. But there's more, isn't there? <laughs> there's just a there's tiny bit more. more. There's just, this is something new um, that I just found out today, actually. So I just happened to be like going through to make sure, like checking my notes. And so I was listening to the uh-huh. 2020 episode. Right. And it says that she's be going to be eligible for parole this year in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Diane Downs. Oh, great. So but she's she, been denied she parole twice this before. Podcast and come after right. Us. So she's been um, she's been denied for her. Well, uh, if her children parole. have anything to do with it, she'll stay. exactly. And um, now she's actually in California. She got so That's she was right. moved to New Jersey after the escape. Right, and then. For the last 25 years, she's been in California. So I don't really know what caused it. I'm sure it was, went from a maximum security to a lower security well, just because of her age. Well, maybe she tried to escape again. Well, it's probably just because of her age. But yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, so I'm like, well, I wonder what Diane Downs is up to today. Uh-huh. So I Google, what is Diane Downs doing today? <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, did. yeah, I did. And I find an article in the org. Organian. Organian? Or Organian. Yeah, whatever. You know what or, Organ. Organi. Yeah, whatever. So I find this article and I'm gonna link it in our show notes. And it says that she is now 64 years old and is incarcerated in California. 
and that she now follows the news about the pandemic as closely as possible from prison. <laughs> Does she think it's out to get her? And like the pandemic was she created. is very concerned about her surviving offsprings contracting COVID-19. Oh, so the kids. Mm-hmm. So she's quoted saying, Every time the world news shows a big red circles on the national map, I look at Oregon every time because that is where Christy and Daniel are. Compared to other states, it appears that Oregon's red circle is smaller than most places. Is Oregon relatively virus-free or are my children in greater danger than the red circle size suggests? I still worry about what? them and love them, though they'll never know it. And that is the story of Diane Downs. <laughs> and okay, you can tell completely. Just got me. <laughs> you end. can tell why this has literally scarred me since I was seven years old. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, dude. Any background, I'd be like, "Mom, are we good?" Because she was your common. Ha- I could mother, never listen. Right? I couldn't. Yes. And it was just a, f- a flip of the switch, and she geez. just. I mean, oh, but there is. I did read. I don't remember where I read it exactly, but I read it, or maybe it was said in the 2021 episode, that the week before um, the shootings took place, Cheryl told her grandmother that she was afraid of her mother, that she was acting different. Mm. So, right. So, obviously, it wasn't taken serious, and, I mean, now she's dead. Um, I don't know if Danny ever regained like control of his lower half since he was um, paralyzed from the waist down. Um, but luckily he was young. Right. So, but I do know the kids all were taken care of in separate families and given the support that they needed. And you can see like Rebecca, she goes by Becky now and she's on the 2020 episode, which I'll also um, put the link below or just the description. And I mean the season and the episode. Yeah. Well, I thought it was a great story. I know, dude, because it's crazy. I will never be able to listen to a hungry like the hungry like the wolf ever again. Because for people that know that story, when as soon as they hear that and they saw that as my hint, I know that they knew. My mom knew exactly what I was talking about because this has scarred me so deeply. <laughs> Taylor, I again, can't listen seven to Seven years old, chilling on the couch watching 2020. <laughs> that like, was my mom and, and I's her ritual. dad loved rock music. So yeah. I'm sure anytime we were came listening to like, Hungry Like the Wolf. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we had a lot of twists and turns. That bitch is crazy. She's insane. She's and, crazy. I mean, you guys got to learn about some really cool cases today. Area 51, that's something that's super popular, but we were able to, um, Morgan was able to give it to us in such a cool way with different accounts from other people in a story form. Yes. And you heard a scary, crazy story about an effed up mom. So, And we are on two crazy women in a row. Right. In a row. Like two people we that like were family men. murderers. We switch it to the men. All right. We might switch it to the men next week. Sometimes those are crazier. No, those are those are the ones. You, actually, no, that is not even true though. You know who you see on Snapped? It's the wife's. You're right. You know who's gonna be on Snapped? Me. You're right. I'm just kidding. No, no, no yeah, no. I don't know. If you're just kidding. <laughs> I don't know, guys. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. This one was a little bit of a longer one, but if you have made it this far... We appreciate you. You are a rock star. Also, um, don't forget to send us your creepy accounts for our Volume 1 bonus episode on Halloween. We just ask that you email it to creepsandcrimespodcast 
at gmail.com and the title is creepy account come on guys creep us out we want want creeped out all right guys thanks so much and have a great rest of your week we'll see you next thursday at three so don't forget to subscribe download and tell your friends about it post it on instagram might have a giveaway soon. Yeah, we're having a giveaway come up, so make sure you're following us and looking closely at our stories and our post. Anyways, we'll see you guys next Thursday. We'll see you guys next Thursday. Bye. Bye.